0: From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. Uh, Very excited to have my next guest who is the CEO of OMSI. And if you grow up in the state like me, OMSI is, it's not only like a cultural destination, but just for activities when you're a kid, all folks from all over the state come. And it's something very near and dear to my heart with young kids. And I wanted to have Aaron Graham on the CEO, just to talk about um, her role, some of the things that are Going on with Omzi, how it's been impacted by the pandemic. So, Aaron, welcome. Thanks so much for for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: You Happy. bet. Um, so, you know, you you were the COO, and that's how you know we became acquainted through some of the the events I I run and. It was probably a little over a year ago that you stepped into the CEO role, which is an interesting time to be there. So I would love for you just to, to give a quick, you know, overview of your role and just kind of professional background here in Portland as well.
1: Sure. Um, well, I actually just stepped into this role uh, about six months ago. Okay. <laughs> so I formally became the president and CEO on June 1st. Uh, And I had been the chief operating officer for five years before that, and prior to that was the vice president of development and ran OMSI's capital campaign to build Camp Gray in Newport. And that's one of two remote sites we have where we run outdoor school programming and summer camps. Mm -hmm. So I just celebrated my 10-year anniversary at OMSI.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And that was kind of an amazing milestone. I didn't think I would be um, any place in my career for that long. And I can certainly imagine uh, being an OMSI much longer. And I think part of the reason that the organization is so exciting to work for and now to lead is that it's very visionary. And uh, and the people that I work with and the people that we attract and the partners and the community input, and we have so much opportunity ahead to, and there's incredible need to recenter science in the conversation so that people have the information that they need to make good decisions. And um, we're excited to play a role in that and to make sure that it's accessible for everyone.
0: Yeah. And and, and again, congratulations on the role. I know I had been in the making for a while. So, you know, there's, there was succession plan there. And so I, I guess to back up a little bit, uh, let's talk about OMSI. Can you just give a little bit of history of OMSI and kind of what is it, what it, it means to the community here? Because again, it is such a, a pillar of of When people think of Portland or come visit Portland, it's it's one of the must-go-to places if you have kids, especially.
1: Absolutely. And I'm an OMSI kid too. I grew up going to OMSI. And cool. so it is it is an amazing opportunity to be leading this institution now. But you're right. It, it is a community pillar. OMSI has been around for 76 years. And it was started by community volunteers who knew that there was a resource and an opportunity to create. Uh, create a science museum for the community. We are much more than a museum, though. And I think that that's one of those things that we haven't maybe done as good a job in sharing the broader story of the institution. We're a museum. We own two remote locations, as I mentioned, where we run outdoor school and summer camps one at Newport and one in John Day. And that is embedded within the, the uh, fossil beds there. So oh, it's a cool. very unique location. We also manufacture exhibits and uh, take them all the way from the R&D through development, the manufacturing, and then we tour them to other science centers all huh. over the United States. Cool. And we have uh, we, a pretty robust exhibit building shop and build other types of exhibits for other institutions. We have our own research and development department that focuses on current ways to engage people in family learning. Mm. and ways to do so equitably and break down cultural barriers and other issues that may exist for people to engage in science learning. And right now we are um, at a pretty exciting point uh, in the development of an OMSI district, what we're Mm -hmm. calling the OMSI district. So OMSI is the largest landowner in the Southeast waterfront. And we are envisioning a 24-hour day and night neighborhood, a new neighborhood for Portland that's about the equivalent of 10 uh, square blocks. Okay. And we are working with the affiliated tribes of Northwest Indians and the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission to concept ways that we could center indigenous uh, partners and indigenous ways of understanding science in the district and an idea around uh, creating a center for tribal nations in the center city in the OMSI district.
0: So you're not busy at all. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, well, that's what makes it fun. I mean, yeah. that's what makes it really uh, such an engaging place um, to lead. And, and so to come kind of to your point, like it's OMSI is this museum and we are certainly looking forward to reopening, Mm -hmm. but we have all of these other pieces um, that we're moving forward to. And I really hope that going forward, we can do a better job of telling the more comprehensive story of all that OMSI is and all the ways that we serve communities throughout the state and the region and and even the whole country through our exhibits.
0: Yeah. I mean, some of these things like the R&D and then making exhibits for other places across the U.S., you know i didn't know and i'm pretty familiar with omsi so very very exciting so we'll 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 switch back and forth i think a big you know part of this podcast is talking to leaders like yourself and sharing some lessons learned or you know the pandemic has been really hard for event venues and you know places you gather uh for groups of people and you mentioned to me you know omsi is still the museum part is still closed so you know, talk about just, you know, what you can share of how it's been you know for you sure. as a leader and for your team and some things, you know, you've, you've gotten through.
1: It has been very challenging. Uh, we are about half the size mm. that we were coming into this pandemic and we had to go through a pretty significant downsizing of the organization. And because we have so many different types of businesses that we run under the umbrella of OMSI. It's really tough because those are specific skill sets and that we need to retain to be able to restart those parts of our business when we can. It's been a really challenging and yet amazing time. And I think that that's because of the staff Mm -hmm. and the ways that people have stepped up to cover everything that we've kept going, you know, including digital learning We've uh, innovated new programs even in this time. We've moved all of our programming online. We created a program once we knew schools weren't going to be back in called OMSI Homeroom. And it's basically a Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 hybrid of supporting kids finishing school in the morning and then supplementing with STEM activities afterwards. And we made sure to reach out to families that didn't have the financial ability to create pods or do some of those other things that... Um, more privileged families are able to do. And so we've got more than 70% of the families engaged in an OMSI homeroom are um, receiving financial aid to mm. participate in that program. And we're, you know, thinking past this time. So it's, it's really tough. I think it's to go back to your question, what have, what have I learned or what have I really been focused on? I've been thinking a lot about leading from the future mm. rather than leading from now. And I know that in times of crisis, and especially in financial crisis, and when organizations are smaller and trying to navigate that, it's really easy to be in a reactive place and just responding to the immediate needs and problems. But that's not how we're going to grow, grow through this period. That's not how we are going to be prepared for the future. Mm. And that's not how we're going to be thinking differently about how we can create a more equitable just future for Oregon through the science education that we provide, yeah. and so I, I have learned uh, a lot more mental agility mm-hmm. between pivoting between the immediate um, crisis management that is reality every day in in managing the organization and making sure that we're on firm footing and right. the future that I know is really bright.
0: What are some of the that you that mental agility? I love that term and. In- for you, what are some of the resources that have helped you with that? I mean, do you, I mean, you have a board, I know you have several, you know, folks in community that maybe you reached out to peers. What's been helpful for for you as a CEO to, to kind of establish, like you said, that space to create, you know, for lead from the future? Because it's really easy. Like you said, I mean, you got something kind of thrown at you every day that's different, um, putting out fires and things. So I mean, how's that been?
1: Well, I have looked a lot to my networks and to people that I know are visionary and I make space for having those conversations with those folks. Mm. Um, it's not always easy to do. And certainly within the organization, it's kind of hard to be in that, that mind frame um, mm. a lot of the time, but it, I have really looked to my relationships with people mm. and also, um, in this listening, you know, this idea of just listening and asking people where they are and what they need and um, where they're imagining their future and how they're seeing growing past this period. And I find a lot of inspiration in that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel like this time is, you know, not that people haven't been like candid and authentic here locally previously, but it's, it's brought to the next level of what people want to share and just like you said, reach out. How are you doing? Can you offer me advice? And I think that's a big silver lining of this. Hopefully,
1: hopefully, yeah,
0: <laughs> I've benefited
1: from that and hope yeah. to continue those conversations with
0: people. And one thing you said we uh, we were talking about Omzi a few minutes ago is we have several businesses to run and talk about the structure of. And this is one thing I really admire about you because. Um, Maybe it was last year we followed that you hosted a breakfast for one of my groups and you went through the strategy. You really shared a lot and people came away blown away like, oh, you know, Omzi, this community, nonprofit, private, public partnership, they're blown away how you really are running it like a true business with these different div- divisions and how you set your leadership team. So ha- talk about that mindset and then talk about the actual structure of Omzi, because I don't know if it's a true nonprofit or it's private public or how, 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 it's structured.
1: Sure. Um, so we have, OMSI implemented a 20 year vision and then we create five-year plans in service of that 20 year vision. And right before the pandemic hit, we had just completed, uh, the creation of our second five-year plan mm. And we do that through a lot of community listening and asking our partners and community where their aspirations lay, where they're focused in the future. We think about the resources and things that we can bring to bear. And then uh, we also do a lot of business planning uh, related to different parts of our business. And so we kind of marry all of those parts and then develop a set of initiatives and move those initiatives ahead. When the pandemic hit, we created a resiliency plan for the organization. And the first section of it was, what can we stop, start, continue, or accelerate related to our next five-year plan? And there were aspects of it that we decided we should accelerate or continue to invest in, even in this time, because we knew that they would be important for the future of the organization and to achieve our longer-term goals. Um, So we overlay those strategic priorities with all the different ways that we run businesses within the organization and create cross-functional teams to execute that work which gives people something it's professional development within the organization yeah. it gives people something really meaningful and also challenging to work on in addition to running their operation
0: mm.
1: so when we have when we talk about the businesses of omsi we uh run A lot of programming, as you know, and we've been doing that throughout the pandemic, but that's everything from our classes to the virtual programming we're doing online Mm -hmm. to outreach. In typical times, we'd have educators and vans driving all over the place. We have a seven-state reach. Um, We have our camps programs, and we do outdoor and the overnight summer programs, the exhibits business as i mentioned we actually have three exhibits that we're um, working on right now and they were all funded by the national science foundation oh great so one is about uh, early brain development and one is about the use of biomimicry in solving design challenges and one is about climate change and the impacts of snow on the globe huh. so they're pretty different but those will all be completed over the next several years and then start touring we, of course, have the exhibits, or excuse me, the main museum mm-hmm. um, that we operate and all of the different attractions there as well. And uh, and then there are some things that we do that maybe aren't so apparent for folks. We have a lot of school-based programming. We are one of the primary pro- uh, providers of science education programming for Oregon homeschools. Mm-hmm. And we do seventh grade Career and technical education in partnership with PPS. Okay. And so there's a lot of things like that. And they, we do uh, science communication training for uh, scientists so that they can communicate about their current research to the public.
0: <laughs> not so saying they're, they're not good at that, but that's probably no. needed. That's <laughs> yeah, probably it's needed. <laughs> needed.
1: It's needed. Exactly. Interesting. So, um, and, and we are a private nonprofit. So unlike the zoo and unlike some of those other attractions in Portland, we do not receive city funding or state funding. And we receive grants periodically for project-based work. Okay. So we are entirely earned income and contributed income for, through philanthropy.
0: Mm-hmm. How is that? You know, in normal times, you would have fundraising galas and events um, and a lot of, you know, nonprofits or, or, you know, foundations that rely on those each year, it's, it's been a big transition. So how, how has that part been just, you know, the, the raising part, the fundraising part?
1: Yeah, we were one of the first uh, last spring to pivot our gala to a virtual event in partnership with we did it with KGW and they were a wonderful partner. So we mm-hmm. broadcast it. We learned a lot, <laughs> uh, but our supporters have been very generous this year. And so our, our contributed revenues have been about what they have been in, or higher Great. than in previous years, which Great. has been really good. The The challenge for us has been that typically OMSI is about 65% earned revenue. Okay. And that's the part that has taken the hit <sighs> yeah. this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a big gap to to make up for and go but mm-hmm. and do you contribute that support just to portland being portland you know cuz there's a lot i mean there's i don't know it's innate in us to support all these pillars of the community or um it sounds like there's been quite a good outpouring to, to to OMSI and other nonprofits so what i mean what do you contribute that to or
1: i think that people in understand how important institutions like OMSI are to the fabric of our community and that it's important that we persist and continue to exist even through this time. And, uh, a lot of the support, you know, that's been distributed has not been distributed evenly Mm and, you know, people, Organizations. We have been fortunate to be able to access PPP loans, but I know that there are a lot of smaller organizations that have struggled to even access some of those funding streams that have become available. And so, I think people have stepped up, but I don't think we yet understand the organizations that won't survive. Yeah. In the community in this period, so.
0: Yeah, I think about that a lot here locally. It, we're all we're, we're kind of in the fog, like economically, some of these businesses and. What's going to make it out, and how it's going to reshape, you know, our town, and th- that's something as we kind of maybe go to the end of the conversation. I always ask about is just Portland. You know, um, you've been here for a while. You've been, you know, a leader in OMSI for a while, but even before that in Portland. Um, what's your thoughts? Just I guess maybe it would be good to talk about coming out of this, this the city in regards to business and just organizations. Uh, what's your what's your what's your thoughts? Pros and cons, challenges we, we might have. I think there are a
1: lot of challenges. Um, and obviously there are economic challenges, but there are challenges in truly addressing the houseless issue Mm -hmm. and, uh, truly addressing some of the other things that I think are policing, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that are, uh, city struggled to really take on in a meaningful way and to fund in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be even more challenging as we're emerging from this into an economic downturn. Mm. So I hope that the business community will come together and figure out ways to support that conversation, because I don't think that the city is going to do it alone.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm confident we will. And, you know, um, I'm very bullish on the city. It it is, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, cities across the U S right now are kind of hit and it's hard when you go downtown when the office buildings are empty and it's just not the same, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come back. And, and the last thing I wanted to just hit on is you mentioned this resilience planning and using that as a professional development opportunity for your team, which I think is just a really brilliant way to position it, uh, for folks. And, you you know, again, having that mindset, this is an opportunity for growth. Um, have your team been really receptive to that if has there been some just with all this going on the museum closed just talk about you know keeping your team engaged and um upbeat and and moving forward what are what are some things you might be able to share with that too
1: yeah it's uh well it People are also tired. Yes. <laughs> you know, this just keeps going and yeah. going and going. So I'm really trying to extend to myself and to my team and to everybody just a measure of grace. Mm. You know, everyone's got so many things going on in their lives. And so we just have to make sure that we're trying to take care of ourselves and each other as people so that we can show up and do the best work that we're capable of doing at this time. And I've tried to focus on that throughout the pandemic. And I also think that that's just important to who we are culturally as an organization and who we want to be. Yeah. And I'm also, because I am naturally a future focused person, um, I have found that that is the more exciting place for people to be mentally. It's exhausting to be dealing with some of the issues on a day-to-day basis that we're dealing with. And so I've really been encouraging people to think about how do we minimize or how do we kind of streamline some of the operational or day-to-day work that you're doing so that we can create this space, this Mm -hmm. mind space for you to be thinking about the future and to be in a creative headspace.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, people have seemed to really respond well to that and are excited to be invited and to kind of have permission to go there. And so part of the way that we have structured the work um, and creating these cross-functional teams is to give people that space to be creative, to be future oriented and to explore and learn and it's, it is part of their job, but it's part of what makes Anzi great too, when they can be in that headspace.
0: I love that. Thanks for sharing. That's really good advice for a lot of the folks. I mean, there's so much going on externally that bums us out candidly. (laughs) Um, you know, so creating that for your team is just, is wonderful. So Aaron, you know, thanks for everything you do. Thanks for being on the podcast and, and, and sharing.
1: Well, thanks for including me. And uh, I look forward to welcoming you and everyone else back to OMSI when we can reopen.
0: Me too. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.